Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we brought in our favorite accountant, Andrew Topping. He's our own personal accountant to talk about a whole range of subjects. One of them was HST. This doesn't apply to when you're buying resale um, real estate in Ontario. Actually, there's exceptions to that, which you're going to hear, you know, if it's, if it's quote unquote substantially renovated, I guess it would apply. Um, but it mostly applies to new construction and con uh, new condos and that kind of thing. And there's a lot of confusion around it. So we do do a deep dive on on the topic of HST and then we get into tax rates and into holding real estate using corporations or holding real estate personally and the provincial tax rates versus the federal tax rates. So if you're into the whole money aspect of, of real estate, this is your episode. And right in the middle, I get into a little bit of a riddle that I wanted to present and a question that I wanted to present, Andrew, but I ended up uh, riddling off this riddle. Can you say that? Riddling off a riddle um, and answering my own own question. Um, so, uh, but we had some fun with it. So right in the middle, of the middle of the episode, we get into that. Hopefully you enjoy the episode. There's a lot of stuff that we cover. And before we get started, if you are listening to this and you do not have a copy of our book yet, Income for Life for Canadians, you can get a copy of that book for free. We sell it on Amazon, but you can get a free digital copy of that book at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That book has been downloaded tens of thousands of times in Canada. And if you don't have a copy, you deserve a copy of that book. So you can get a copy at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. You can uh, enter your name and email in there and you will get a free copy of that book. Two other books are also available there for you. But Income for Life for Canadians has been a mainstay for us. Um, and uh, as I said, it's been downloaded tens of thousands of times at this point. That's it for now. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Yeah, so I can't ask if I can hear you right now. So we're just going to begin. Andrew Topping is here. Nick is here. And uh, we're going to, Andrew, you seem to know your brain knows so much stuff about the Canadian tax system. It baffles my mind. So for everyone listening to this, we will like send Andrew uh, an email saying, hey, Andrew, you know, we got this tax question. And we think it's like a one sentence response. And it's basically Encyclopedia Britannica comes back to us on like, well, in scenario A, it'll be this, in scenario B, which is also always very helpful helpful but it I, just makes me feel bad for sending emails because i think the time it takes to respond i'm like yeah. oh man i'm sorry about that i thought it was a simple a simple question i think i just like to talk and um it comes out in my emails. Yeah, no, it's good. And for that reason, because we want to hog you, we won't give out your email address. So nobody can email you. I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you know what we wanted to talk about is uh, this has come up a few times and there's always a little bit of confusion around it. If someone's buying... Um, Let's let's use the example of a condo in Toronto. A condo. How does the HST work on that? So I'm I'm an investor buying a condo. I have to. I'm going to end up having to pay HST. But many developers will work it out so that they're well. Here, I'll let you let let us walk us through it because I mean we always kind of trip up on this stuff. Yeah, and and an HST is one of those things that that people tend to 
not necessarily think about up front. It's always after the fact. Purposely ignore, I think, is the way. And, it, and I'm okay with that because yeah. I, I hate HST. Anyways, um, so HST applies to any new build. So if you're buying a new residential property, a commercial property, anything like that, if it's new, HST is going to, pl- to apply, whether you're going to use that as a property for your principal residence, so you're going to live there, or whether you're buying that for investment purposes. HST is going to apply on a new build. If you're buying the property for personal use, so you're buying essentially the property where you're going to live, um, you pay HST to the builder, but you're eligible for a HST rebate. In many cases, the builder actually, you assign that, that rebate to the builder. The builder applies to CRA for the rebate and basically just charges you the net of whatever HST that you would otherwise have owed them, less what they're going to get back from CRA with respect to the rebate. And when and you say net because the rebate caps out at that's why you're talking right because the rebate will cap out at 30k max. That's correct. So there's a federal portion of the rebate and there's a provincial portion of the rebate. The federal portion, I believe, I haven't looked at it in a bit, but it is 6,300. The provincial portion in Ontario is 24,000. Um, the federal portion actually grinds down. So once the property value that you're buying is greater than $350,000, between $350,000 and $450,000, the $6,300 federal portion grinds down to nothing. So once you hit $450,000 in value for the property that you're buying, the federal rebate is zero. The provincial rebate does not grind down. So as long as you're eligible to the maximum, so essentially the property that you're buying is of sufficient cost that you're eligible for the maximum rebate, you'll you'll get the rebate no matter what the value of the property is over the sort of the minimum. So the provincial portion is twenty four thousand. As long as the property value is great enough that you hit that maximum twenty four thousand, if the property value goes up above four fifty, there's no grind. You still get twenty four thousand. Got it. So after four fifty purchase price on a new condo in this particular example, I'm going to owe HST on that increased amount, That's which right. I'm sure the builder's just baking that into the purchase price so that I buy it. And they're probably handling the payment of that. I, I say probably because I don't know this for a fact, but probably handling the payment on on their side. I'm imagining that. So I'm going to confirm that in future podcasts. We're going to have that answer firm. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how the builders do it, but certainly the builder is required to collect HST on the purchase price. So if we use an example and we say, okay, um, we're going to pay $60,000 of HST on the purchase, assuming that the full grind on the pr- on the federal portion of the rebate, we're going to be able to get $24,000 of the $60,000 that we owe. So we have to pay $60,000 to the builder. The builder is going, we're going to assign the rebate to the builder. Builder is going to apply for $24,000. So they're going to charge us the net. Yeah. So we still have to pay the difference to the builder. Yeah, I got to think they're baking that 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 net into the price. So then there's a second HST kind of rebate which is the the rental That's rebate. That's correct. Yeah. So the other rebate is the residential rental property rebate. Um, same numbers. Uh, it's just with this one the builder is not allowed you're not allowed to assign this rebate to the builder. So when we buy a rental property, we have to pay the full amount of the HST to the builder. And then the purchaser fills out the paperwork, sends it into CRA, and then CRA writes a check back to the purchaser for the amount of the rebate related to the HST paid already to the builder. And that's dependent on having a minimum one-year lease, I believe, correct? That's correct. And when you submit the rebate application, you have to send in a copy of the one-year lease agreement in order to be eligible for the residential property HST rebate. Got it. Okay. Is that the official name, Andrew? 
I see you rolling your eyes when I, you say, I'm just joking. I, Who knows what I these government it's programs are? Residential it's residential rental property, property rebate or something to that effect. Yeah, okay. Okay, so and then who who helps? Do you ever help out clients with that paperwork, or is it something basic that that you know all your clients just fill that paperwork um, out and handle we, it by themselves? We normally do it if, yeah, if okay. we're involved in the accounting for the purchase or something like that. We would normally fill out the, the the rebate application. We've done a number of them; they're relatively all the same. Okay, um, and the same applies if if you build your own home you can actually apply for the rebate as well. So those those forms are a little bit more complicated because obviously it. they're based on expenses and things like You know like how much that. I love it when you help Nick and I fill out stuff? Like I think on my GS, my old GST returns, you would even tell me what to put on the form and I think I would just respond to you or Dennis or someone saying, can you guys, like, can you just like do that for me? And you guys would absolutely, and you would copy the numbers over. It was so minimal, but to me it like <laughs> saved my life, you know? Yeah, um, well, that's what we're there for in yeah, part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Nick's per perfectly capable of doing that stuff. I get lost in the details so much holy smokes but uh okay so i think we got most of that stuff hst stuff clear with that a couple little things i'm going to come yeah, back with there there's i mean there's a whole pile of stuff when we look at hst there's all sorts of things that people again it's always an afterthought so um if you buy a property and it's a residential resale so you buy a brand uh a property that's you know 20 years old you buy it from somebody and you renovate it completely you gut the whole interior if you renovate a property greater than 90%, and then uh, how we determine that? whether it's 90%. Let's replace determine with argue tough. that. So if CRA determines that you've renovated, substantially renovated a property greater than 90%, it makes it new. If you then turn around and sell that property, HST applies on the sale. It's as though you're a builder, even though what you bought was a residential resale. Over what time period? Like, like if you did that and then you... I mean, yeah, let's say I did that question. with my family home, and then I, I lived in it for couple more years and then I got a job out west. I moved to Vancouver and I sell my place. So I bought it. It was an old house. I've now substantially like I got it. I didn't rebuild, but I mean easily 90%. So it's very clear I did that. Is, but it took, it but you're saying over time, like it took Sure, you yeah, maybe over, okay, yeah, even over time or in one instance, right? And then like I, I did it all once but then I lived in the house for another year or something okay, afterwards. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah. Am I selling it as a new, I guess no because I've lived in it for years, not a new bill. Okay, so that, that I've answered That's myself. right, yeah. So, but if you did it, and, and I guess the same answer applies that if it took you five years to do it, because some parts are old, then some parts are old. That's not ninety yeah. percent or that's substantial right. it, or whatever. It more applies to you know, um, we buy a property that's maybe a little older, maybe not in great shape. Um, it happens a lot with uh, renovation companies. Renovation company goes out, buys a property, renovates it, sells it. That's really what we're what they're looking at catching. Yeah, they're not looking. I, I I feel like with the HSD on new condo purchase, I could, I could see CRA just cherry picking the heck out of that, and you know trying to see if people are paying the HSD on different condos. But on your own house in like a suburb, I don't think that's like a CRA focal. I no. mean, who knows? No, right? if, if you if you live in the home um, and you do you know renovation work and you update and you know all those types of things, you're probably not going to fall into the HST. It's more on the uh, investment side. So you're not living in the property, you're buying it for investment purposes, you're fixing it up for the purpose of reselling it. Um, so that's where you're going to get into HST. Uh, same idea is a lot of people say, well, okay, well, what if I do that? So I buy it, I renovate it, and I, I know it's substantial, I know it's greater than 90%, but then I rent it for a year. And then at the end of the year, then I sell it. Does HST apply? And it does. Essentially, it applies on you have to self-assess HST at the time you turn it into a rental. 
So no matter what you do, CRA is going to get you on the HST. But if I lived, how about if I lived in it for a so year? So if you lived in it and then you did the renovations and then you turned it into a rental, you may be able to get around the HST if you lived in it when you did the renovations. But as soon as you turn it into a rental, we've got change of use rules from an income tax perspective that are going to make it a deemed disposition anyways. What about if I did the reno and then I lived in it as my family home for a year afterwards and then sold it? You're probably going to be okay if you just, you lived in it. It was your family home. You renovated it. You lived in it and then you sold it. No, I bought it, renovated it, and then lived in it and moved into it as a family home. Oh, you might be you. you might be we okay. Stumped you. Oh, really? From an I thought you were just. I, oh, I'm, you even smiled with that answer. <laughs> oh, holy smokes! From I an figured HST I was screwed. Perspective, I think you're okay. Really? You could you could argue that with CRA is what you're what I'm hearing. And then you, you might just be gave okay everybody listening to this a free pass. I'm joking. We got to put the big disclaimer on. Yeah, Talk to your if, own accountant <laughs> about this. What stuff. What if I bought it, renovated it? <laughs> Sold it right away and didn't tell CRA. No. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're okay with that. <laughs> now, now you're an investor in Southern Ontario. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jeez. Holy smokes. You know what the, the, the crazy part with all this is, is that you can see, obviously, some people are going to try and skirt the system. Guaranteed. But some people are honestly not going to know what they're doing. Oh, for and sure. just mess this up and get hit with a tax bill that they didn't see coming. That's the, that's the scary well, part. Every the- year, look, the tax code, well, how often does it get updated? Every year? Uh, there's small changes every year, but okay. um, substantial, no. Okay, so what? But when they update it, is it? Do they ever remove things, or don't they just add? Like, isn't it just add, add, add? So how the hell can you keep up with it all? It's crazy. Somehow, I feel like Andrew does. Yeah, <laughs> I feel I mean, like you I go guess, to bed before you go it, to bed. You're but, like, but, what are the latest tax updates? But I'm you were talking run. about the average person. Yeah, how yeah. are you going to yeah, know? Because no, no, it's no, just no, like no, a yeah. million different yeah. things, right? There's just no. And I'm not even talking about the intricacies. I'm just talking about the big HST, like the big points, like buying this house if you renovate it more than this. Who knows? Like, how do you yeah. keep up with all the different things? Well, man? and that's, I mean, from a from a from a tax perspective, there's actually there's the income tax act, which deals with the income tax, and then there's the excise tax act, which is an entirely different book that deals with HST. <laughs> do these books do <laughs> these books get along with each other? Are they sold at the same place, or you just download them? Uh, like, do you have you these? Can download are them, yeah. these things you keep in the office and just look at sometimes? Or are these volumes, like you can't just buy the book? No, you can buy the Income Tax Act, and, and I generally get, there's a new one that comes out every year. You know that, what, Nick, we've got to buy the Income Tax Act just to keep in the office here. Oh, you know what, we could just throw it at people. It would just piss me Read off every, t- every time I saw it. You it know what, upset me. no, but really, we could just literally throw the book at somebody. Like, we don't know the answer, read this, and I just think throw the book. You th- it's about this big. Uh, perfect. <laughs> we'll knock them right over. <laughs> I think you're going to have an HR issue, but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, that HR thing. We haven't figured that one yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're working on that. Uh, yeah. Um, no, we would throw it at people we like, you know, like, hey, man, check this out. Boom. You know, this is like, this is how we have fun here in the office. Okay. This okay. isn't like a negative. I when we see. throw okay. things at people, it's a positive. Well, you might want to use the excise tax act because it's, it's smaller. Yeah. Okay. That means we want to use the bigger one for sure. <laughs> okay. So HST um, and any, before we get off that subject, any changes that you know of coming to the, or we're kind of status quo for the meantime? I think we're. Pretty status quo on HST. Yeah. Okay. I see you. You're, I could totally tell you. I'm, I'm just trying to think if I've. What did they just announce? What was some? What was just announced? Business tax. They cut business taxes, right? So I think you're talking about the provincial. Them saying they're not going to go along with the federal changes. Is that the one you're talking about? I don't know, but tell us about that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So um, 
one of the new tax changes January 1st of 18 was that whole uh, passive investments. So once you have more than $50,000 of passive investment income inside a corporation, you're going to grind down your small business deduction. That's Everybody, right. Okay, okay. Now, now remember. So that was obviously that's federal government that made that change. Wait, just put on the brakes there for a second. What do you mean, Grant? Can you describe that to everybody? Yes. Okay. So um, the government, actually, it doesn't even come into effect until January 1st of 2019. But uh, they, the in the budget, they changed. Essentially, they said, if you've got greater than $50,000 of investment income, so uh, dividends, uh, interest, capital gains, those types of things. Okay. Net income. Net, net or gross? Net. Net. Okay. So essentially, I mean, with... with um, Investment income, uh, you know, yeah, it, it would you be may or may net. not have expenses. It's going to be net, yeah. Um, depending on that, so it is net, so it's whatever left and, and would be the taxable portion of capital gains. Um, if the total amount of that is greater than $50,000, essentially you start to grind down your small business limit. So your small business limit is essentially the limit that you have available to pay the small business rate, which is that low currently 13.5%. So... On the first $500,000 of profit in your corporation or in your corporation or associated corporations, um, you have 13.5% on the first $500,000 of profit. If you have passive investment income in that corporation or in any associated corporation that's greater than $50,000, you start to grind down that $500,000 limit. On the amount over $50,000 or the total amount? So my total amount of uh, pa of passive investment income is seventy five thousand. Yeah. So Am I grinding down using the seventy five thousand or twenty five over twenty five? Okay. So the first fifty is free. Okay. Anything over fifty is where we see the grind. So if free. Thank you for taking. I'm allowed to take risk. <laughs> I'm allowed to take risk and put my money up to take the risk free. For, I, I understand uh, that free of tax. Still, it's still subject to tax at fifty yeah, percent. But I, yeah, it's free. It's free. I got it. It's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if we have $100,000 of investment income, so $50,000 over the $50,000 minimum, then our, we're going to grind down our small business limit by half. So now essentially we have, rather than having $500,000 of small business limit, we've got $250,000 of small business limit, which essentially means if we've got profit of $300,000 in our corporation, we're going to pay 13.5% on the first two hundred and fifty. And had the provincial government not changed what they were going to do, we would have paid 26.5% on anything on the other $50,000 in profit. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so now what, what do they do? So the province said, we're not going to adopt this change. So essentially the province said, we, we don't have this $50,000 passive investment limit. It's the old rule still applies, which there was no limit. So essentially rather than 26.5% on anything over um, the 200 or whatever over yep. the grind, uh, you don't pay the provincial. The provincial limit stays at the small business rate, which is, I think, 3.5% right now. So the federal limit goes up, but the provincial limit doesn't. So what's the total rate then now? Do you know? Uh, I think it's 17 and a half or 18 okay. and a half. Okay, we won't so hold you to that. Something like that. Rather than 26 and a half, I think it's 18, okay. 17 and a half, or 18 and a half okay. instead. Okay. So I felt like when you were counting, you know what, when you were counting that in your head like that, I just felt like I needed an abacus to help you out. I mean, like, just, <laughs> let's, let's put the beads over there while you're counting that out. Okay, cool. Holy smokes. Okay. So it's not, I mean, when they come out and the change was made, um, I think the federal government just assumed that all of the provinces would follow. And because, and now yeah. there's other provinces that are talking about not adopting as well. 
Um, so the impact is significantly less than it would otherwise have been. Oh, okay. that's interesting. So now that I think about it, I don't think that was the change that I was talking about. I don't think I knew about that. I think there wasn't there some changes to the, some business tax that the federal government did recently. I thought they made some announcements. I'm probably wrong. I could be wrong, but regardless, that's what um, that's still that's still insightful. The, the provincial one, because I had no idea, and that impacts us withholding company. Like when you have yeah, totally. And you said stuff. something interesting there that seems to most people seem to kind of dismiss it or not be aware of it. You said associated companies, meaning if you have multiple corporations and the primary shareholder of these corporations is the same person or persons, then all the net income from those corporations gets lumped together. For the purpose of for the, the small purpose of taxes, section. yes, right. So if you have three corps, all owned by you and your wife, as an example, one corp is your real estate corp, one corp is like some other business that you operate, and another corp is like uh, an apartment building that you bought under one corp. Mm-hmm. All three. Well, now I'm throwing in real estate stuff. You're throwing oh, in real estate, which isn't know, subject to the small business. Okay, rate, but. okay, but anyway, let's just say I have three corps. Um, they all are producing. They're million dollar businesses each. The net income after expenses on this is like I have a ten percent margin. I have like you know I have a hundred thousand dollars of of just let's say net income. So I have three hundred thousand dollars in income across three companies. A hundred, a hundred, a hundred. I would be allowed to use the small business tax rate of thirteen and a half percent for all of for them. all yes. of them. However, yep. if they were all two hundred thousand dollars in profit each. Then it would be $600,000 total, even though each company is under the $500,000 small business tax rate limit. When I add it together, it's six hundred, dollars so I'd be taxed at 13.5% on the total amount up to $500,000. And on the extra $100,000, I'm taxed at the regular corporate tax rate in Canada. Which is 26.5% in Ontario. 26.5% in Ontario. That's correct. Okay, so that's how it works, and I and I just I think a lot of people kind of dismiss that they think, or at least I did back several years ago, that it was five hundred thousand dollars net income per corp. It is. I mean, that's very common. Everybody thinks that, um, uh, and and the rule makes sense because otherwise, if the rule wasn't there, sure, once you split hit the up limit, everything into corp, set up another corp. corp. Set up so, another. Yeah, so, yeah, I got it. So it makes sense. And, and actually, I'm not going to complain about 13.5% either. <laughs> I mean. Uh, and so as of January 1st, 2019, that actually goes down to 12.5%. It's 12, Okay, you know what? I think I've been telling everybody 12. Okay, 12.5. I think it goes down. I th- I'm pretty sure it's a full point. Okay, so 12.5%. I mean, yeah, we can't complain about 12.5 on the first. I think that's, you know, I think we all have to pay tax. Like Canada is a great country because of uh, all the taxes and social programs that we're able to produce here. For sure. So, but I do think that the 12 and percent tax rate, because some people will probably look at that and think that businesses are just going to get away with bloody murder on that at 12 and percent. But I just feel it's a benefit to small businesses in helping them kind of get started. And then once you're past net income of 500,000, you're kind of well on your way. You know, well, you're, sure. you're, yeah, I mean, you're, you're, you're running and, you know, the rest to be taxed at a different rate. So I kind of like that balance in Canada. It's I mean, that's the uh, that's certainly the purpose of that small of the low rate is it is an incentive. Yeah, it's you know, it's trying to incentivize people to start up businesses. Um, and, you know, y- you can invest more in your business and grow your business faster mm-hmm. because of this low tax. Well, rate. I that, think for the f- certainly is the purpose. Yeah. And I think for the first few years that Nick and I were running our own stuff within corporations, we didn't even know about these small, you're just so trying to survive. 
like the first year zero to three, you're just in pure survival. Yeah, you're not even care. Like rate. it's basically like, like you know what? Food yeah. for my family. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget. We referred this would be to uh, to 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 Dennis. Uh, we referred someone who was paying no taxes somehow, like through their magical accounting, you know. And they were they were contractors paying no taxes, and they came, I think, and spoke to Dennis, and they wanted to pay less taxes. Like they wanted to get like rebates of some sort mm. on stuff that they were doing. And I think his answer was like, "Well, you already pay no taxes." So for me to do better than that, I'm not, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be able to help you based on your expectations, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. how you've managed to pay no taxes is like a mystery to me. But uh, I know a lot of people listening to something like this will say, you know, I, I never want to pay taxes and taxes are the enemy. I just I kind of go back and forth with so much on how the how much the government wastes of our tax money. But at the same time, I want my neighbor to be able to go to the hospital when he breaks his arm and get what he needs and not be yeah. worried about having to pay for that service. For sure. You know, See, I don't go back and forth. I just think about the waste. I know, yeah. I, I know, well, no, because I know I want them to have the services, right? So there's no back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just know that, like, in my experience, I used to work for the government too. My experience and everything that I saw firsthand and the stuff that I've seen that I haven't seen firsthand, I just feel that there is just an awful lot of waste. So remove the waste. And then I think there's so much more they can do with the services because totally. as soon as they get involved in something, remember, we're probably even paying it. I don't know. Kathleen Wynne started the Ontario pension plan. Do you remember a few years ago? Yeah. yeah. Right. And I remember looking at the numbers of what it was going to cost to administer that pension plan. The costs were astronomical yeah yeah no, and i'm like well all the money's going to this administration there's gonna be no money left for people anyways so hey i looked up this thing it was uh yeah it was a few weeks ago liberals deliver tax breaks for businesses in response to trap trump tax cuts so it was about um corporate investment how it how it applied you know the liberals did something recently it was more about being able to buy i think new capital equipment and stuff oh, for that business they, they right? changed the amortization rates for um certain equipment that's yeah. that's right it was that it's great because i said i was as i was glancing at this too it, it meant that the budgets that were going to be 78 billion this is going to get tom going so we got to mention this this they were going to be 78 billion now they're going to be 83 billion so but um but it, it's okay because i think that no, i think hey, i think justin trudeau tweeted out that we're canada's giving 50 million to some charity somewhere just you know based on I don't okay. know. I don't know all the details. So before anyone attacks me on this charity and how it's worthy and stuff, I just love how our you know prime minister will just tweet out that like, hey, we got an extra. I'm sure we saved that fifty million up and we have it in the bank. Well, but here's you know, why we're, sure, not, we're not yeah. just spending yeah. our money that we don't have. But here's why it's okay because it, it's okay because they didn't talk about ever like dealing with the debt at all. But the debt's going to go down as a percentage of GDP is the forecast. So that's why it's okay that they don't really need to worry about the budget deficit or anything. That's kind of cool good. accounting, right? Yeah, inflate. So, inflate Inflate the economy as up. The, as the GDP goes up, yeah. Yeah. we are actually ahead. It's a smaller yeah. percentage. So let's not look at the absolute number. Let's just look at the percentage yeah. of an inflated I, I mean, number. look, that's what it says right this no, year. I, yeah. I, I, you know what? I would like to get into government too. <laughs> I'd like to just spend everyone's money as I see fit as well. Like I would just love that. I so, just wonder what it would be like if I tried to do something and I guess I was carrying, I, I don't know what the percentage is and I have to work it on my income, but I, whatever. If I was just carrying $250,000 on my Visa card, and I went to like the bank and said, hey, I want to try to do something. Can you help me out? Yeah. I, like it doesn't matter that I only make whatever the number is, like 60 grand and I'm carrying 250 on my visa. I mean, it's fine. Like the and government, do, does, the government you, does it. Why can't I do it? And your only basis for the fundamentals of investing you more is would say, would you be saying, I'm Nick Carrazza? Like I am yeah. Nick 
the Nick Carazza. My income's going to go from 60. Don't you trust me? Well, my income's going to go from 60 to 65. Yeah. So that 250 is yeah. actually going to look smaller than it really is. Yeah, as a yeah, percentage, so don't worry I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually not as bad as yeah, I was last year. So just year. Hand, That's right. hand me over That's the right. money. Right? Yeah, it's a beautiful system. Yeah. Okay, so um, I want to ask you something about corpse versus personal, but because Nick asked this, I'm, this is perfect because I need to ask you this because you're an accountant. I've been waiting. I'm pointing my pen at Andrew's face right now. Listen to this in the U.S. because I'm trying to figure this riddle out and I don't have the answer and I'm interested in your answer or your thoughts on this. Okay. The U.S., you see that you said that so hesitantly. <laughs> this is an exciting portion of this okay, episode okay, of okay. this podcast. Listen to this. The U.S. has $21 trillion in debt. $21 trillion, I think it's even 22 Let's just use 21 right for, for right now. Okay. Now, there's a lot of people talking about interest rates kind of moving up and how they will continue to move up in the states, okay? So if, I, if my math is right, if, if they increase interest rates 1%, the interest costs on $21 trillion, 1% of $21 trillion in my math is $210 billion. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Pretty, I'm pretty simple right now, right? Yep, yep. Okay. So their current annual deficit in the U.S. is $800 billion. Okay, so and that can be argued. People say uh, it should be higher, or lower. Whatever. It's eight hundred billion. So a one percent one percent increase in interest rates adds twenty five percent to their annual deficit. Twenty five percent. If now, if interest rates were to rise four percent, four percent, they would actually double their annual deficit. And 100% of the doubling would be interest costs. Mm-hmm. There would be no new money for infrastructure, no new money for any programs. They would dub- double on, on, uh, on, on just interest payments. This tell- are, we, are we still with I, me? I'm good. Okay. This is simple math. So, right? It's simple. It seems okay. pretty simple. So, wh- how are they? Uh, so, I, I just got to show you this chart, and I'm going to describe this chart. I'm so ready for you, Andrew. Look at this. I have a chart, man. Listen to this. Look at this chart. This is this is the Fed fund rate going back to the year 1960. It goes all the way up, and there's the 80s where it was all crazy high, and here's the last like 10 years where it's like zero. Now, if we look at the last three big recessions in the U.S. right around 1990, rates went from like eight nine percent down to like three percent. That's about a 5% drop, 5 mm-hmm. 6% drop. Now, look at this next recession. Rates go from where they were about 6% to about 1%. That's a 5% drop. Okay, yep. so, so to me, it looks like in the last two big recessions, they needed a 5% drop in the federal funds rate, interest rate, to kind of thwart off or fend off that recession. Mm-hmm. Now, stick with me here. They're raising rates now. Here they are aggressively raising rates. They're up to this magical number of like 2%. That's where we're at today. Mm-hmm. Now, if in the last two recessions, they needed five, a lot of economists, by the way, talk about needing 3%, but it looks to me like they need more than that. They need actually 5%. If we're currently at 2%, we know they can't raise it up another 4% because if they do, they're double. I mean, I guess it's technically possible. I shouldn't yeah, say that. Yeah. it's possible. Um, like, and, and I have an answer and I have an answer of how they could, but I don't even want to go there yet. But, uh, but they're at 2%. How are they going to reduce if we have a recession? Come, we're in our the longest economic. I think it's the second longest or longest economic recovery in recorded economic history in the U.S. If we hit a recession in the U.S., likely affects Canada, right? We're we're the For little sure. guy, yeah. you know. How are they going to drop interest rates five percent when they're only at two percent today, knowing that they can't really raise them another four percent? So they would technically have to go to negative. 
3%. And the only way to go negative, in my understanding, is to actually open the printing presses up and put in some money into the system that acts as an interest rate cut. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of go to zero, can't do anymore, so you kind of just throw a lot of money into the system. Historically, when they throw money into the system, it tends to inflate in dollar terms the price of hard assets. Mm -hmm. So even in, so I'm just trying to think like, okay, here's where we are today. A recession hits. Don't property prices, real estate prices, condos, these Toronto condos we were just talking about with the HST stuff. Hamilton, your office is in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Property prices come down. It's a recession. Credit tightens up. The banks aren't lending. Naturally, real estate prices come down. Isn't the policy response to the next recession automatically going to make real estate prices and hard assets go back up? Because the only answer to the recession is going to be open up, lower the interest rates down to zero and make lending into the economy really easily, easy, sorry. Otherwise, we risk a complete default of the economy. And, and here's my thinking on that. In 1990, Wall Street went, the Asian crisis, Wall Street basically went bankrupt with long-term capital management. A hedge fund almost went down. Mm -hmm. It was saved by, it was saved by Wall Street. In the year 2007, 2008, then Wall Street basically went bankrupt. All the banks basically went bankrupt. They were saved by the central governments. Mm -hmm. Now the central governments, like the U.S. have, they've printed like $4 trillion. I know they're trying to get it down, but they've printed $4 trillion, So let's face it, like they're broke. So now who saves the central banks? So my, my, and I, I don't have the answer to this riddle either. And it doesn't, I, this is the longest question. This was a question, right? I, yeah. So there you <laughs> go. There's my question. question. That's it. That's my whole question. I don't know if that made any sense to anyone. Well, you just that, answered everything for yourself. Well, no, I, I'm just trying that's where my head's at. You know, Andrew, like, Andrew, we'll leave him alone. We'll let him have his moment. By <laughs> no, no, but I know I, 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 don't I just want to discuss this with people. Cause I know you have to, you're going to laugh. Nick and I were in Chicago and I was talking to some business guy who owns a pretty big business and I cornered him on this subject and he looked at me like I was crazy. He's like, you know more about our economy than I think we know here. <laughs> but uh, that's probably not tr untrue. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but am I is my line of think like am I way off with like you know the, just the one percent two hundred ten billion dollar increase four percent would basically double that that simple math. It right? makes sense to me. I, I mean, okay. I'm not exactly sure how all that works, but the math makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I just wanted to know if my math is like am I making this too simple? Because this looks pretty simple to me. And that's the the thing to me is that. When, if a recession hits, let's accept that a recession is going to hit. What will the governments do about it? They either have to save themselves by printing more money or, or basically they have to say, ah, you know, we give up. We're out of business. And I don't think they're going to say that. No, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're not going to say that either. Their so, dollar is going to devalue so very quickly. But. That's my exact point. The dollar is going to devalue any way I look at it. So it just means the price of hard assets, whether it's right or wrong, seems like in dollar terms it's going to go up so why not why wouldn't i want to own as many hard assets as i possibly could even at today's prices knowing that they might go down at some point but the rebound off of that seems like it's going to be higher than ever and not for even the right reasons yeah. like i'm not even saying that's the right reasons anyway yeah I mean, okay i will stop again it's good I'll, theory Okay. By the look on Nick's face and then the look at you uh, looking at me here, I think uh, I've done. I've done my. I'm done. I'm tapping out. There we go. No, look, it's 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 a, it makes a lot of sense. I've just had this discussion with you a lot. Because no, so I don't. I'm, I, just, I'm, I'm just like, you're like Andrew's here. I'm just gonna I'm, let him I, deal I, with no, it this just, time. I'm just trying to figure out like, am I looking at this riddle wrong? Like, what am I missing? Well, uh, look I, look at what's look look what's happened right around here. Okay, 
land value. So we know from a number of different builders that we've spoken with, both in the residential and commercial side of things, they're like, look, the value of land, it hasn't gone up kind of incrementally over the last few years. It's gone up exponentially. Like it's jumped to the point that a lot of developers are like, they're looking for other opportunities or redesigning current opportunities. We're seeing some of those condo towers shut down in Vaughn. There was a couple, I think, right? Because they're like, this. things have changed. The market has changed so dramatically, so quickly. And it's for these exact same reasons. So, yeah, I mean, look, it, you know, there's a lot of things that point to you being accurate. Yeah, I guess so I'm just coming from a place of paranoia a little bit. Like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen in the next couple of years? And then, you know, we always talk about short-term paranoia, long-term optimism. Like, basically, everything's going to work out and we're all going to mm -hmm, live good lives mm -hmm. and stuff like that. It's just I'm just trying to figure out the next few years, you know. And we've always done that, Nick. We've always tried to figure out, like, the next few years. And right now, it just seems so much – it just seems – rather kind of more interesting than ever to me there's a lot of warning signs i think i think what's what's weird is that there's so many warning signs now from different economists and and people that are in the stock markets and things like that about like look there's you know there's got to be a downturn coming sooner or later that it, there's there's so much talk about it that it's almost strange for that many people to be talking yeah, about it that I, I think that it might not happen and i think that's <laughs> what know? has us concerned uh andrew you didn't know we were going to talk about this stuff i'm just throwing all this stuff out. but I, th okay. I, I think that that's what's got me a little bit concerned is that we've always been on the side of the minority so for example in like 2010 when interest rates were coming down really low everyone was telling us that they were going to go back up and nick and i were looking at each other saying well to finance all this kind of recovery they're not going to raise interest rates mm -hmm. because raising interest rates is just going to kill everything that they're trying to do. So we stayed variable, even though people were like, we had someone walk into our Burlington office when we were in Burlington. Nick, do you remember this? Handed us a DVD. This guy was in the real estate business for decades. Handed us a DVD. He said, I just sold my family home in Burlington to uh, for my family's future because I know there's going to be a big collapse because they're going to raise interest rates and it's going to kill the market. I saved my I, I sold my family's home um, and I'm renting. And, you know, here's this DVD, watch this like end of the economy kind of thing. And you should sell too. And I remember looking at Nick thinking, I think this guy's got it all wrong. <laughs> like, I don't really think they're going to raise rates. Yeah. And I think everything's going to be kind of fine through this. But we were on the minority and that uh, side of the minority in that uh, during that time. And that's where we like to be. So I think now we find ourselves on the side of the majority where everywhere we turn, people are like, yeah, it's probably due for a recession. And now we're and we're on that side. We're like, yeah, we kind of think so ourselves. Um, so now we're kind of, I think, double scared, right? Just like thinking, wait a second here. Maybe we got this all wrong and they can just keep humming along like they are and everything. There's going to be no recession and it just keeps plodding forward like this. I can't so, imagine that's true. But yeah, just based on history. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and just. The Trump upheaval and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, various yeah. other world political and everything else. I just uh, yeah, something's gonna. So yeah, we're not even getting into the global macroeconomic picture and U.S. and tariffs and China and the whole bit. But uh, and you see what happened in France? Did you see those yellow uh, jacket riots in France yesterday? Yeah. Did you see those guys riding on the streets? Did you see all the ambulances? teamed up with them and all the ambulance turned on all their signs and sirens and went into the roads and blocked all the roads oh stuff. no i didn't see that but i i, I saw the macron change i he, think he removed the tax the new gas tax or something i saw that today i yeah, thought i saw yeah. that today i feel like he had to otherwise there were well i mean it's got pretty got pretty serious yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. okay so let's get uh all right we'll get you back on track here on some of the accounting stuff so uh corpse versus personal taxes so this is something that we've kind of asked you a little bit about before i just want to readdress it if someone is uh buying a real estate and they come to you and say, hey, it's my first. Do you have a threshold on when they should incorporate and hold real estate in a corporation? 
Is there like a little kind of rule of thumb you use? Um, and, and we should preface it with what are you talking about? Because you're talking just from a tax perspective. Because if I you're get, talking from liability, it changes. It probably changes the answer, right? Like it depends on, yeah, I guess, a lot of different uh, factors. And, and that's why I don't really have a, you know, if you've got three properties or you've got five or you've got 10 or you've got one, um, I don't have a definitive answer for anyone because it's going to depend on your specific situation. So from a tax perspective, it's going to depend, Tom, if it was you, it's going to depend on your specific situation. If it was Nick, it's going to depend on Nick's specific situation. Married, kids, long-term plans, short-term plans, financing. It's going to depend on a whole bunch of things. Personal income. So what your personal income is at, what you expect it to be at in five years and in 10 years. Um, because, I mean, if your personal income... Uh, you know, 50 married couple, 50, 50, they've got 50,000, um, T4 income, one spouse, 50,000 T4 income on the other spouse. And they're looking to own three properties that they think on an annual basis are going to maybe net out profit wise at 10 K that we're going to split 50, 50. We've added $5,000 to 50 K on each, not a significant change to our overall, um, but maybe those same three properties in a different area in downtown Toronto that are now Airbnb rather than long-term rentals. Now we're earning 50 K instead of five, 10 K that we're splitting. Now we're adding 25 K. Now we're into 75 K each. We're still not into a new tax bracket, but we're going to pay more tax on that. So uh, from a strictly numbers, strictly tax perspective, there isn't, in my opinion, you can't say yes. If you've got three properties, you're going to want to incorporate because you're going to get the benefit of that because your personal tax situation may not be the same as someone else's where it would benefit them, but it might not benefit you. But it's supposed to work out as a wash anyways, right? By the time you take the money out in your personal, if you were to make the money in a corporation and then take the money in your name, it's the way it's structured. It's, it's supposed to end up, I know not exactly the same, but somewhere relatively close that the amount of total tax paid is going to be somewhere, you know, in the same. Uh, yep. the and, and that's, I mean, they, tax integration, which is what you're referring to in Ontario is actually works very well. So, um, which is a bad thing. Let's be clear. It, I mean, it's not a great thing because it, it doesn't give us as much gray area to work with. But if we look at a, an example, um, where we've got an active business, so not necessarily real estate, if we've got an active business that earns a hundred thousand dollars, it pays 13.5% tax. After tax, we've got you know, 87.5 left. We pay that out as a dividend. We are more or less in the same position as if we had earned $100,000 personally. So the benefit, a lot of the benefit of a corporation is deferral. If we don't take that money out, we don't pay the personal yeah, tax. Yeah, so because if you don't need if you don't need the money for whatever it is now, then you get to worry, figure out something to do with it later, or I guess you get to also reinvest it in another co company potentially. So, like if you had some operating company, I'll say I was thinking through a holding company, but you could also like loan it to another company to get to, as like a startup to you know. So yep. you're turning money over. Same thing though. If you ever need to get in your personal name, you eventually pay the tax on you it. You eventually pay the tax. So it's about the deferral. So if we've if we've got after tax in the corporation, we've got eighty seven thousand dollars, give or take, um, and we don't necessarily need that personally. We can reinvest that in the existing business. We can invest that in real estate. We can invest that in portfolio investments. We can invest that into a startup. That money that we're investing is significantly higher. If we're in the the highest tax bracket personally. In the same situation, we're paying 53.5% tax. So after tax, 
our after-tax dollars are significantly less than That's what we what have left is. in the it's, corporation. So is, is actually, you're paying 53 and a half? So it's actually over 50% the highest tax uh, rate? It is On now. the it amount over the highest. That's right. I, I, I don't know the tax brackets so currently. 220, once you're over 220 in Ontario, you're in Anything. the highest federal and provincial tax brackets. Every dollar you make over 220, you pay 53 and a half percent tax. That's crazy. Just think about that. You pay that, and then you pay employment insurance and CPP. Right, which is which gives benefits, so I get that. But then you also pay gas tax, which is just another pure tax. You pay HST. You pay HST, and then there's like you basically like work litter, litter tax, uh, liquor tax. So if you if you like if you any alcohol, there's an additional tax on but that. There's this older Italian guy that's friends with my brother-in-law. He's like, look, Mario, let me break it down for you. We're all just tax collectors for the government. I happen to be in the contracting business. You happen to be in the engineering business. Doesn't really matter. We're just out there collecting taxes for the government. That's correct. And when he broke it down like that, I thought, you know what? This old guy, man, he's got it all figured out. That's all we're doing. Right. Think about your business. You collect HST, you pay your employees, you withhold their CPP and EI and their tax, and you send that to CRA. You send your HST to CRA and you pay tax to CRA. Oh, no, I know. When so I Justin Trudeau can life. decide how to spend our money. <laughs> that well, is... I just didn't know it was that high, over 53%. So, so okay, so but then if you make 100000 how much do you pay in tax? Because that's over 220 The 53% is over the 220 yeah. So if you make hundred grand, how much do you pay in tax? Um, like, like just what's average. the average no, tax no rate? No deductions, no anything. Like what is and, co- it and combining all the tax brackets? Um, you, on average, I would say it's like forty. Oh no, 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 thirty-eight, thirty-six. Less, less. Keep going down. Thirty-three, down, down, down. Thirty. So the first, the first tax bracket goes from zero or a dollar to somewhere in the forty-five thousand dollars range. They change every year. Um, they're indexed a little bit. So wasn't it zero to twenty-four thousand not that long ago? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought it was lower. No. Uh, I don't think so. No. Huh. I, I trust his opinion. Yeah, I though. trust your opinion. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's your first tax bracket, and then um, forty. But isn't the federal government whatever. changing something to the first twenty-four? I thought something was being changed. You don't pay taxes at all on the on first. the first fifteen. So essentially, the the okay with all the t- the tax credits that essentially everybody is eligible for, um, it's between twelve and fifteen. Okay. Essentially, you you're not going to pay tax if that's what you are. Yeah, got it. Okay. Um, once so you're over so you, that, okay, you were saying forty uh, on a hundred k. Um, your average rate of tax is going to be. Uh, I don't know. I would say like 23, okay. 24. So just break it out just for a second because you were in the middle of it. So you said a zero to a one to 40 something is going to be how much? What percentage? Well, so he's hedging. He's again, hedging. Let's corner you. There Let's is, corner you. The, the <laughs> tax brackets are different. So there's five tax brackets federally and there's five Jeez. tax brackets provincially. And they don't line they up? They don't line up. Ugh. So it, it may be that the first tax bracket is 15% federally, but the first tax bracket provincially is 3.5% but they don't line up perfectly. So you could have some federal, some combined okay. rate. Never mind. I'll take your original so, answer. Yeah. Forget it. Just get it's, an accountant. <laughs> Just here. It's, here's my look, papers. I'm, I'm not, I'm, like, I'm not I'm advocating Trump in any way. There's a, a lot of diverse opinions about politics. I'm out there. The one thing that I was, la- I kind of laughed at and I'm like, wow, could you imagine it was actually like that? Do you remember when he, before, uh, I, I think he was, didn't even win the Republican nomination yet. And he had his like tax plan, and it was like on one white, uh, like yeah, a, yeah, like yeah. whiteboard, and it was like three or four tax brackets. And it was like if you make under this, you pay this much. You make over this, you pay this much, and something else in the middle. And I was like, my God, could, could you, you imagine, imagine yeah. that it was that simple? Like oh how that's to me, in like in my life, that would be like a gl- just a glory. We'll tell Andrew land, that you know? we wouldn't need accounts well, anymore. But, so yeah. corporate <laughs> corporate tax is not 
that much different than that. Corporate's pretty straightforward. So yeah. corporate tax, your first 500K, 13.5%, currently in Ontario. Anything over 500K, 26.5%. Mm-hmm. Unless it's active business income. No, uh, that is active. That's active. Yeah, but if it's passive. Okay. Oh, sorry, sorry. And then if it's passive. Sorry, sorry. If it's passive, it's 50% or 50.17, yeah. yeah. whatever it is. So it's 50% Let's not on the passive. Let's just that. But it's. So, okay, I mean, but still, really, that's not too bad because that's like three, three options. Yeah, yeah. That's not too bad. Yeah. That's not, yeah. that, that now, I can live with. That's all sort of what we refer to as sort of part one tax. Then there's part two and three and four and six and seven. So, but from a most businesses' perspective, you're if you're an active business, you're really concerned about two rates: thirteen and a half and twenty six yeah. and a half. Okay. Yeah. Do accountants have an agreement with CRA to keep it this complicated to keep you guys employed? Let's get no, down to business. No, so is there are there backroom I, deals I between believe, accountants and CRA? Most accountants would try to argue that the tax system should be far simpler. So mm-hmm. when last summer, so does the summer CRA of just call you sometimes and just yell at you? Uh, no, I sometimes call them and yell at oh, them. Oh, good. Though. Okay, okay. See, that's why we like you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we like you. So what were you saying so last summer? Yeah, so last, so the summer of seventeen, when all the the the, the debate about the new tax rules, they were oh, going to change right. the passive investments. They were going to change the income sprinkling rules. When all of that came out, the accounting body was arguing that that was going to complicate things more than what they already have. Um, and certainly the original proposal, some of the original provo- proposals related to the passive investments inside a corporation were. We we're going to have you know seven different pools of income and all this different stuff. It was extremely onerous and certainly far more than than you know the average non business student would ever want to do anything with. Um, and so the accounting body and and businesses um, in general argued you know you're going to make what's already overly complicated that much more complicated. So um, the accounting body, I think certainly tries to argue that what we have now is overly complicated. And um, it's actually the Ministry of Finance that makes the rules. It's CRA that enforces them. So it's actually not CRA that makes things complicated. It's got the it. CRA is the police. CRA is the police of the tax world. Yeah, got it. I, okay, but going back to this corporation thing, I think long term I prefer building my – my family's legacy or wealth inside a corporate structure just for the simplicity that we just mentioned. So, you know, when we were ta- when I was asking you, do you proceed and own properties personally? So, Nick, I know there's liability stuff. Like, obviously, if you're buying a building, you're probably not going to hold that personally. For right? sure. If yeah. you're buying a single family home as a rental property, ah, maybe you get the right insurance on it and you hold that personally. Not that big of a deal. Um, again, get anyone listening to this, get the right legal and accounting advice on these on these answers. But in general, if I was just to yep. generalize yep. here, but long term, I do see the value in the what you've kind of helped us structure just with multiple corporations um, and building kind of your I don't know if the wealth is the right word or just building your equity or whatever we want to call it inside that corporate structure. And that corporate structure is actually my monetary vehicle for my life and my family's life. For some reason, it makes me a ghost and that I personally don't own that much in my own name. Mm-hmm. And I just like that. Well, and so, I mean, certainly, as I said, there everybody's circumstance is different. And so corporation, investing inside corporations absolutely makes sense and it works and we defer tax and and there's all sorts of other reasons, longer term, estate planning, flexibility, there's all sorts of things that the corporations give us that we can't necessarily do personally. So corporations add a level options. of options. Yes, they, they give us significant flexibility in when we want a personal income tax hit, what we can invest in and where we want to put it and when. 
Um, it, it, it gives us more options and greater options for passing assets on to the next generation, to um, moving income to the next generation. So uh, there's, there's certain things that we can do with corporations that we just can't do personally because we don't have that second entity. So corporations are going to give you a lot more flexibility. And whether it's a corporation or a partnership or a trust or some other vehicle, um, it's, it's providing flexibility to some extent. And so the more we structure our things um, and structure our businesses from the start, rather than trying to do things always after the fact, it, it allows us to set things up in a way that benefits the individual. So again, we're setting up a structure for a person or for a group, and we're setting it up specific to them to achieve a goal. We don't want to just, you know, uh, we're going to invest, so I want to set up a corporation because I'm going to invest in real estate. You may want to set up a corporation, but do you want to set it up one or two or three? How do you want to structure it? Are you going to buy a single property? Yeah, and what's you your commitment to this? Because if you think you're just going to get in and out of real estate, don't even bother. Well, that's, I mean, real estate is a long-term game. You you can't you can't invest in real estate and expect, you know, you're going to buy a property today and you're going to be a millionaire in a year. It just no? doesn't work like that. Oh. Yeah, I we, wish it we did. We read all I the wrong books. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Sure. I mean, so you have to you have to know where you want to go um, before you, we can determine what the best structure for you is, um, because it's you know it's not free to set up a corporation, um, it's not free to maintain a corporation. Um, so you have to think about there's additional costs there. There's some cost benefit analysis that needs to be done as to whether a corporation makes sense or it doesn't. Uh, a lot of cases it does. Um, but you have to look at each individual circumstance before you can determine whether it makes sense for you uh, as opposed to someone else. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's the answer that you don't really want to hear because you just want that cookie cutter answer. But yeah, I get it. And um, yeah, you've helped us out with these uh, insurance policies and all the whole bit that There's, does yeah, seem yeah. to make sense. There, are more, there is more flexibility. And plus, you're playing with a lot more money. You make a hundred grand. You, 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 you know, you're playing with and eighty three versus playing with you know fifty. And I think you're that's right. Yeah, ultimately I mean, playing with the professionals like Andrew to to get your help in our planning for stuff. It kind of it gives us a little bit of advantage because in the past when we were like years ago when we were just doing our personal tax filings, like using some one of those pieces of software or whatever, you really don't know like how the long term how you're doing anything you're just doing the bare minimum paying the tax you should pay but when you have corporations and have these options and get some professional advice the world gets a little bit more open to you you know sure. I, I just find For that sure. i gained clarity and like oh this is how kind of the quote-unquote rich structure things right like i know i hate saying it that way but kind of that's how people are doing it i mean corporations give you flexibility yeah, yeah, yeah. give you options i mean there's always i have um a number of clients who you know, own or work at car dealerships. So high-end Mercedes, BMW, and, you know, they'll always come in, we'll sit down, we'll be chatting, and they're complaining about, you know, person X comes in, they want a $250,000 Mercedes, and they're showing $60,000 of income on their personal return. But they can easily afford the car because, because have- all of their assets are in a corp. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, that's kind of the downfall of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's certainly... There's down there's downsides to having all of your stuff in a corp. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it doesn't work so well when you want to get mortgages and and other things when you're really reporting sort of minimal personal income. But okay, Andrew. I, now to to you know important question as we kind of wrap up here. Do you drink coffee? 
I don't. You don't drink coffee. I do not drink what coffee. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Nick doesn't drink coffee and it's two against one right now? I don't know. Andrew's a pretty smart guy. He's a so pretty I'm, smart I'm guy. actually thinking. Oh my God, I love so my God. Like, uh, I want to just tell you, when I make my morning, I have an espresso shot in the morning. I actually have two espresso shots. And when I make that, the beans grind, I smell it. And then I look at I stir, I shake the cup. I appreciate the crema at the top a little bit. I comment to my wife on Carol, look at the crema today. <laughs> and it's like this ritual, and I just love everything about it. You don't drink coffee. No, I, I mean, but what you described is is my wife. I, she loves re- her coffee as well. Um, I have, I, I've never in my entire life, I've never had a cup of coffee. What? What? Oh, have you ever had a you, coffee ever? Never. That's a. Are that's you great? Cr- Good for you. What the heck is wrong with you? I drink a lot of pop though. Oh my <laughs> God, Andrew! I thought you were we gonna say get like you I off thought, the pop. Like, you were gonna say like whiskey. What or are you something? doing on the pop, dude? That's the like, oh, like a drug. It's terrible. That's terrible. Right. I know my coffee's a drug, but mine's a better drug. In April at four a.m., there's just there's no better way to stay awake. No, I remember the Mountain Dew days in university, <laughs> but jeez. Oh my God. Okay, we have a pop. I, I haven't told Nick. I don't this think yet, I've had a pop. I don't think I've had a single pop in. I know I haven't had one this year. Like not even a sip of one. I might have wow. had. I might have yeah. had one last I, year. We were maybe. somewhere in the last month where I said, "Do you guys have Coca Cola here in a glass bottle?" I don't know where we were, Nick. Yeah, I remember. We're, it's always been, and they had Miami? it in a glass. Miami, Miami. It was in Miami, Miami, and they brought it in a little glass bottle. You know, those tiny little. Yeah. And I oh, poured it. It was, it was amazing. It was amazing. I really, really so, did. So, enjoy. what's your beverage of choice? Water and wine and coffee. You don't need. There's only three drinks. Drink, yeah, I don't drink coffee yeah. much. I don't drink that much juice anymore. Just because I used to drink it in the morning, I, I prefer not to drink juice in the morning. Just because I find when I do, uh, sometimes it, the, the, I'll get a sugar cravings in the afternoon because of it. So I'll have I'll have it in the later in the day unless I'm coming for a really hard workout and I feel like I need the kind of glycogen stores kind of like. So I'll go to like a natural orange juice. But it's just mm-hmm. really water. And then a dinner, yeah. I usually have a glass or two of wine with dinner and, and water. That's but it, man. If I'm you, pretty boring Andrew, that way, Water, wa- water, good water, wine, and espresso. Yeah. Or mineral, you know what? Mineral that's water all, No, that's all lemon. you need. And you know what? I'll throw in one, a nice high-end tequila. Like I'm talking a Don Julio mm. 1942 that Nick knows that I love. The Don Julio 1942, I'm convinced only 20 bottles a year come into this country. And last year, Nick was able to track down about four of the bottles, I want to say. Five. We got five. Five bottles. I did not realize how little of this stuff. Have you ever had a Don Julio 1942? I don't think so. Oh, Don Julio 1942. Do you drink tequila? Uh, on a case. I'm more of a rum guy. No. But. Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. You're going to be a tequila guy. I haven't even told Nick this yet, but in our new office, which we're, what, six? We're still a little while away from bit. it. But when we get into that new office, I figure when we do these podcasts, we should have an espresso machine that grinds the beans. None of this an espresso stuff. We're going to grind the beans and pour shots of espresso for everyone. And we have the high-end tequila in here. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, I'll and be then here, we can I'll be give you week. on the episode. Yeah, we can give you a podcast. We could chase it with tequila. If you're so motivated, why are you waiting for that? Just do it now. Yeah, no, I know. I'm looking around, but our, my, my office is more like a storage room than anything else. But uh, all right, cool. I had no idea. Nick, anything else before we wrap? No, I, I can't believe we've already been chatting for as long as yeah. we have. Yeah. Andrew, anything else before we wrap? We're going to bring you back. So if we've missed anything. Uh, no, I mean, you know, obviously common disclaimer. Anything that I say is based on, you know, what we're talking about. Everybody's circumstances are different. So. And what is yeah, your what is fair. your contact? In, so can you hand out the URL or I, I, I was warning against the email, whatever you want to give out. Uh, LagoiAssociates.com is our website. LagoiAssociates.com. And we'll put that on the show notes for this episode. So if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast, all the links to every episode are there. Andrew's The link to Andrew's episode will be right at the top, the latest one. And it'll be on that page as well. Uh, LagoiAssociates.com for Andrew. Thank you. We're, you're having an espresso next time you're here. <laughs> 
Hey everyone, it's Tom Grazza. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Andrew Topping. He's a great guy and a wealth of information. We'll be bringing him back for sure. We'll also be feeding him his first cup of coffee or espresso um, when we bring him back. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you want to grab a copy of our book, you can get it at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. Income for Life for Canadians has been downloaded tens of thousands of times by Canadians all over the country. If you don't have a copy, you can get a copy there, rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash slash books. If you have any feedback about this podcast, please email it into podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. If you haven't given us a, a rating or a review, that you, a review, can't speak, a review yet on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it. If you think we've earned that, um, you can go to iTunes and, and uh, give us a rating and a review. Greatly appreciate it. I think that's everything for now. Hopefully you're having a great week. Until next time, your life, your terms.